Central Illinois responds to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Lee Enterprises Central Illinois Newsroom say goodbye to editor. More on these stories, I'm Kelsey Watsonauer. I'm Sierra Henry. And this is Lee Enterprises Long Story Short. Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Long Story Short, where we recap Central Illinois news from Lee Enterprises journalists. Today, Kelsey's going to kick us off with some very important news that is beyond Central Illinois, beyond the United States, and you probably already know what we're going to talk about. So, Kelsey, uh, tell me what's going on in Ukraine. So yeah, we try to keep it local here on Long Story Short, but international news outweighed state and local this week. On Thursday, President of Russia Vladimir Putin ordered military strikes in Ukraine, leading to numerous casualties and countless people fleeing the eastern part of the country. By Friday afternoon, the invasion was in the capital city of Kyiv, and the country's leadership had not fled. Since the attacks began, President Joe Biden has put sanctions on Russia, the president of Ukraine has asked allies for help, and NATO activated its response force for the first time. In central Illinois, our reporters spoke to locals with ties to Ukraine, feeling the effects of the deadly assaults from thousands of miles away. Connor Wood and Brendan Dennison have a story for The Panagraph, and Tony Reed has a story for Herald and Review, so be sure to find those reports at panagraph.com and herald-review.com. And now let's take it back to local government news. Uh, Sierra, what's going on in Coles County? A group of concerned citizens are advocating for better conditions at the Coles County Animal Shelter. The Coles County Health and Safety Committee plans to hold a conversation about the animal shelter next month after the group raised a number of concerns about the conditions, such as high euthanasia rates of cats and, quote, unlovable situations for animals due to limited space. The shelter's warden, Julie Dieter, said that 848 cats were brought into the shelter last year and 501 were euthanized at the owner's request or because of overpopulation population at the shelter. According to past wardens, the shelter lost its primary way of spaying and neutering animals after the University of Illinois College of Veterinarian Medicine suspended its spay and neutering program. For more details, find Matus Janique's story at jg-tc.com. Three young students presented how they and their classmates predict 2045 will look like in the town of Normal during a Monday night city council meeting. The Vision Plan 2045 is an ongoing effort to engage community members in imagining what normal might be like in 25 years. This year, children ages 3 to 5 who participated in programs at the Children's Discovery Museum, through the Parks and Rec Department, and Normal Public Library had the opportunity to give their vision. Ideas range from hover cars and hover bicycles to expanding children's hospitals, solar panels, and even flying shoes. Seven-year-old Connor Rome said in 2045, quote, I would like all the homeless people to have a home and have warmth and food and have a place to sleep before we get into all the technology and electronic things like holograms. We heard from three really thoughtful kids on Monday night. I'll just say that. Uh, to read more about their ideas or for full normal town council coverage, you can find my story at panagraph.com. And now let's go into some business news. Bloomington's iconic Chateau Hotel and Conference Center is debuting its newly refreshed ballroom for recently engaged couples this weekend. The event, which will be held Sunday, is intended to give guests an idea of what it's like to book a full wedding experience at the castle-like venue. People may remember the ballroom for its brown walls and carpet, but they will be pleasantly surprised to see a fresh coat of white and gray paint. The room is also expected to get new carpeting soon, and it has installed a number of new hardware. Other new experiences offered for the wedding package includes an LED dance floor, a photo booth, and new lighted ceiling. For some background on this hotel and everything that it's been through, find my full story at panagraph.com. 
Now Kelsey is going to take us into health news. A Bloomington woman is raising awareness for potential signs of a heart attack after a close call in December. Two weeks before her heart attack, Julie Friesch said she was awake most of the night feeling pain in her chest and numbness in her left arm. It wasn't until December 15th she was taken to the hospital where they removed a blockage and put her on a stint. Since February is American Heart Month, healthcare professionals across the country are encouraging people to take the necessary steps to prevent heart disease. The CDC says heart disease is the number one cause of death in the United States. To learn more about the signs and how to take precautions against the disease, find Connor Wood's full story at pianograph.com. Coles County residents are organizing a truck convoy in support of seven-year-old Wyatt Yarnell, who was diagnosed with pineoblastoma, a rare brain cancer, in June 2019. Wyatt has recently developed tumors that are lining his brain and spine. There is no cure for his disease, and doctors say that Wyatt only has about four months to live. In support and honor of his life, 10 trucks will meet outside his house as a surprise to drive him around Charleston. For more details, find Matus Jennings' story at gg-tc.com. And now Kelsey's going to take us into education news. Ever wanted to know how to make the best maple syrup fresh from the tree? Well, the Macon County Conservation District just held its annual maple syrup program at the Rock Springs Nature Center in Decatur to teach people how to find the right tree. Nature Center manager Alicia Callison gave some helpful hints. To find a maple tree, just look for its red leaves. She also gave a short history lesson about maple syrup making, describing how early settlers would go out into sugar maple groves for extended periods of time to tap trees and collect as much sap as they could. To read all about maple syrup and tapping trees, you can find Matus Janique's story at harold-review.com. And now, let's move into some sports news, starting with a column. This week, sports reporter Matt Flatten talked about some of the many life lessons he's learned after becoming a shareholder of the Green Bay Packers. Flatten, whose parents live in Wisconsin, talked about a time when he ran his mouth a little too much, and that's coming from him. You see, Matt's parents are huge Packers fans, and around Thanksgiving, the NFL team was offering up shares of its stock for only the sixth time in franchise history. Matt talks about some initial reactions he had to the team selling off its shares and a surprise he received Christmas morning. This is honestly a really great story, and I don't want to spoil anything, so if you're a Packers fan, I highly suggest checking out Matt's column this week. It's a good one. Illinois Deputy Athletic Director Warren Hood is retiring at the end of April after a 36-year career with the department. Hood was influential in the renovations of Memorial Stadium and directed the renovation of the State Farm Center, including securing the naming rights for the building. At the time, it was the most expensive naming rights deal for a collegiate venue in the country at $60 million. He was also involved in the construction of the Henry Dale and Betty Smith football facility and the track and field and soccer stadium, Demajeron Park. To read more about Hood's legacy and all that he accomplished in his tenure, you can find Illini reporter Andy Kimball's full story at any of our three websites, panagraph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com. And now let's move into some public safety and courts news. Kimberly A. Burton, the mother of missing seven-month-old Zara V. Walker, was formally charged Friday with concealing the child's death. Burton, 29, of Bloomington, is charged with two counts of concealment of death, which are class four felonies. Prosecutors said Burton previously told police and again told a family member during a jail visit that Walker died while falling asleep in her lap, but she didn't call authorities because, quote, she didn't want to deal with that. Burton said she placed Walker in a cemetery near her house, prosecutors said. Walker was reported missing February 13th, a day after Burton was arrested at a store on West Market Street on retail theft charges. To read the full story and our ongoing coverage, find Kate Heather's report at panagraph.com. 
This week marks six months since Jelani Day was reported missing, and Carmen Bolden Day, his mom, continues to raise awareness for her son's death, saying her family is still left with no answers. Jelani Day, a 25-year-old Danville man, was reported missing out of Bloomington on August 25th. The next day, his car was found in a hidden wooden area uh, near the Illinois Valley YMCA in Peru, which is a small city an hour north of Illinois State University, where Day was a graduate student studying speech-language pathology. His body was pulled from the Illinois River near Peru on September 4th, and confirmation of his identity was released September 23rd. LaSalle County Coroner later determined he had died by drowning, and a medical examiner noted the manner in which he went into the river is currently unknown. Day's family has been adamant that he was murdered and did not go into the river by choice. Bolden Day and her family have gained support from civil rights attorney Ben Crump and the Reverend Jesse Jackson and his nonprofit organization, the Rainbow People United to Serve Humanity Coalition. To read all of our past coverage and keep up with Day's family's fight for answers, you can find my report at panograph.com. And now let's move into some much-needed community news. Sierra, take it away. Okay, well, I think it's time for a palate cleanser. So before we end today's podcast, we're going to talk about the cutest spider monkey to Grace Scoville Zoo. His name is Hank, and he is adorable, even though I really dislike monkeys. I want to put him in a little top hat, and I love him dearly, as if he were my son. Hank was born to William Ethel Spider Monkey in January at Scoville Zoo, January 2021 at Scoville Zoo, but at the time, no one could tell his gender. Um, Executive Director Ken Fryer said that Spider Monkey mamas are especially protective of their little ones, and trying to examine the baby would have been too stressful for Ethel and the baby, so the zoo staff let him be. Uh, Now that Hank has passed his first birthday, he is more independent and enjoys swinging and playing in the monkey's outdoor enclosure on warm days. And finally, zoo staff could see that he is a boy, so they've named him Hank, and that's why we did this story. So, I just... (laughs) After today's terrible news, I just wanted you all to be aware of Hank. He's super cute. If you want to look at videos and photos of him, you can find uh, Valerie Wells' full story at herald-review.com. Also, before we end today's podcast, um, we have some changes that we want to talk about. Uh, This week, we are also sending off our fearless leader, Chris Coates. Chris has been named executive director of the Richmond Times Dispatch in Virginia, which is also owned by Leah Enterprises. He will officially take over on March 10th, which means that he is leaving us officially next week, which is really sad. Um, Chris started with Lee Enterprises in St. Louis in 2007 and later was the editor of the Sioux City Journal in Iowa. He was named editor of the Herald and Review in 2017 and later the editor of Central Illinois a year later. In 2020, Chris was named Editor of the Year by the Illinois Press Association. He is also president of the Illinois Associated Press Media's Editors Board. But with Chris's very sad departure, we are welcoming back um, Allison Petty, who was formerly our editor here in Bloomington. Uh, She'll be taking over as Central Illinois Editor uh, at the same time as Chris is leaving. Um, Also starting a little bit early before her start date because... Well, he's leaving. He has to move across the country. Um, But yeah, Allison is an Illinois native, and she's an award-winning reporter and editor who's been nationally recognized for her journalism and her newsroom leadership. She'll oversee news reporting at the Panagraph in Bloomington, Herald and Review in Decatur, and Journal-Gazette Times-Courier in Mattoon, Charleston, and the Woodford County Journal in 
Eureka. She is the Midwest digital editor for editor for Lee Enterprises, and previously she was a reporter, digital product projects editor, and local news editor in Decatur and Bloomington. Uh, but like I said, she's been with us a while. She started at the Herald Review in 2010, so we are excited to have her back with us here locally again, working very closely with our local newsrooms. Yay, Allison! So that's going to do it for us today, folks. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast and our reporting, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. While you're at it, head on over to panograph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com to look up subscription information and consider supporting hashtag local journalism.